First Samuel chapter 25, verse 4, it says, While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you could find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name, then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and my water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men from who knows where they come from. David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word to David. This was so funny to me, y'all, when I was studying this. Verse 13, David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. <laughs> David said, all right, y'all strap up. They don't want to help us. Everybody get strapped. I need everybody to get strapped. So they did. And look, and David strapped his on as well. Somebody say, uh-oh. About 400 men went with David. So now David's strapped and he's going deep. About 400 men went with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David, girl, let me tell you what happened. David sent his messages from the wilderness to give our master his greeting, but they hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time while we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing, night and day. They were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over, sis and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, this sister not playing, five roasted grain, and a hundred cakes of raisins. She's not playing, y'all. And 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I will follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding on her donkey into a mountain ravine, there was David and his men descending toward her as she met them. David had just said, it has been useless. So David's like venting. He's upset. It has been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing and he has paid back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely. You know you upset when you use your own name. Listen, let Jerry, look, Jerry's about to turn up one time. <laughs> he said, may God deal with David 
be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one, one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool. Can I get somebody to say fool? And folly goes with him. As for me, so she's like, I don't have nothing to do with this. Okay. As for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, may your enemies and all who intend on harming you, harming you, my Lord, be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant. The Lord, your God, will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. Now she's prophesying to him. Because you fight the Lord's battle, David, and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life. The life of the Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. Are y'all noticing how this woman is talking to this man? Listen, she says, when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. So basically she's saying, David, you're going to be a king. So don't let this fool cause for you to step out of your king behavior. Are y'all noticing how Abigail is talking to David? There's too much talk about Jezebel. We need to talk about Abigail. Look how she's reminding him that he's a king even when he's about to act foolish. <laughs> and when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel who sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hand. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord lives, he got to throw this in again, who has kept me from harming you if you had not come quickly to meet me? Not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and have granted your request. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I know that was a lot, but I could not skip around. And there are three particular segments of our foundational text that I would like to bring to your attention for your consideration on tonight as we board the aircraft of this sermon series. And that is verse 24. She fell on the ground and said to David, verse 32, and David 
said to Abigail and verse 35, I have heard you go home in peace. Please don't miss this, y'all. She said, he said, and the outcome was peace because I heard you. One more time. She said, then he said, and due to the conversation, he said, I heard you. Now you can go home in peace. Listen, y'all. David was about to turn up. David was about to ride on them boys. Now, David is not an individual who talks. He's not like some people. He doesn't have a gangster mouth, but now with one fingers. <laughs> David was ready. He said, all y'all strap up. I'm about to go handle this lightweight real quick. But what stopped David? A conversation. Conversation. There was about to be bloodshed and the loss of life. But what stopped David? A conversation. He was about to murder people. People were about to die. But what stopped David? A conversation. I wonder how many of us have lost a relationship because there was a conversation that was never had. I wonder how many married people, under the sound of my voice, are watching online, your marriage is on life support, simply because we don't know how to have a conversation. I wonder what championship team, rather in sports, in business, or in church, ooh, y'all anointed. Y'all can sing, y'all can like mime and stuff, y'all can praise dance, y'all are so anointed, y'all are so called, and y'all can't win together because there's a conversation that we don't know how to have. I wonder what couple who is low-key losing their sanity, let me change that, high-key, <laughs> high-key losing your sanity because we don't know how to have healthy, holistic, resolution-seeking conversations. Because the pulse, the cardiovascular, the engine of connection in a relationship is communication. I need to say it one more time. The pulse, the cardiovascular, the engine of connection when it comes to a relationship is communication because your words are currency the question is are you spending them or investing them preach holy ghost we're gonna help somebody on the night your words what you say out of your mouth is currency are you spending them or investing them when you're spending them this relationship is going to have a lot of withdrawals when you're investing them over time, you will get a deposit due to your investment. Did y'all hear what I just said? I'm happy on the night, y'all. This is powerful. Are you spending your words? I want to say this. I don't like their tone, so they're going to get a piece of my mind. All it takes is for somebody to come at you some type of way, and it's like, forget Jesus, forget the Holy Ghost, forget who I represent. You're not going to come at me like that. I'm going to let you know you mess with the wrong one today. Last time I didn't have, I didn't have time. Oh, but today I got time, cuz. <laughs> Do you spend your words or invest your words? See, because 
outside of, outside of outgrowing them, relationships never die from natural causes. Did y'all hear what I just said? Outside of outgrowing them, because you can outgrow people. I need to say it one more time. You can outgrow people. Like the same way you outgrow clothes, you could also outgrow people. Like there are certain outfits that my son cannot wear November of 2021 that he could wear November of 2020. Because when you're growing, certain outfits should stop fitting. I'm about to throw my towel, boy. When you're growing, certain outfits should stop fitting. You should, like, it should be difficult for you to fit in that petty attitude that you had since 2016. It's 2021. We're about to go into 2022. Like, it should be kind of difficult. You should almost be getting choked if you still try to fit in the outfits that you had on in 2017 and 2018. And in just a few weeks, people are about to say, new year, new me. Just because a number change doesn't mean you will. They don't care that the clock hit midnight. If you don't be intentional with your change, there's no change. New year, new meet, no same, new year, same person. (laughs) There's certain things he can't wear anymore. See, even our friends, let me mess y'all up. If all of your friends have on the same outfit they had on when you met them, you have a dead circle. Somebody should be growing. Somebody say growth. growth. Outside of outgrowing them, relationships never die from natural causes. They're murdered by either toxic behavior or toxic communication. This is so good, y'all. They're murdered. They're murdered. And what a lot of us haven't recognized is that unhealthy communication can be inherited. Y'all about to see it on Thursday. Next Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving the next week, y'all about to see. Just look at your auntie. Just look at your mama. Look at big mama. Look at your uncle. Look at your cousin. Look at Ray Ray. Look at Pookie. Look at Michelle. Who Just look at your family tree. And you will see it is possible that I have inherited unhealthy communication. I tried to tell us this in the Kingdom Vibes Only series. I tried to tell us that more is caught. Then taught. And every household comes with a template. You may not know it, but in the household that you grew up in, you caught something. You See, I like you. I'm going to keep talking over here. The rest of y'all like my neck, my scalp, my esophagus, my uvula, the dangling thing, like all of that. Yeah, you caught something from your household. So when a man and a woman come together... When a woman and a man come together as they begin to have their journey and build for a relationship, you don't just get that person. You got what they caught. I'm trying to help somebody, man. You got what they caught. Yeah, he got broad shoulders and he got a beard, but he also has a template and you're going to deal with it. Yeah, she's fine, curly hair. Curry just like you like her, but she has a template. There's something that they caught. And I wonder, have we forgotten that it's possible for me to have inherited unhealthy communication? Like the trait that you could have caught is the way people talk. 
Like when I was growing up, I feel like I'm messing somebody's stuff up. Expose the Holy Spirit. When I was growing up, nobody talked. They yelled. When they didn't like something, they would raise their voice. When they get mad, they would raise their voice. When they would get irritated, they would raise their voice as though it's the thunder that grows the flowers. <laughs> Somebody caught that. As though it's the thunder that grows the flowers. And now have you noticed, every time you get mad, you yell too. Every time you get upset, you yell too. Because could I have caught a template, inherited unhealthy communication? Like, were apologies rare in your childhood? Ooh. Like, how many times can you actually say your mama ever said she was sorry? Somebody say zero. <laughs> like how many, I want you all to think about it. Listen, think. This was messing me up during sermon prep. How many times can you actually say that your mother told you, I'm sorry, baby girl, I was wrong. I'm sorry, my son, I was wrong. How many times did your daddy tell you, you know what, daddy was wrong. Daddy didn't make the, daddy didn't keep his word. I apologize. How often did we see somebody owning their mistake? And could this be a contributing factor to why you hate being corrected? hate being corrected. It was never modeled before me. I want y'all to think about this, man. What does your mama say she was sorry? Your daddy said, I'm sorry. It's as if parents can't make mistakes. Like parents, like I know I'm a parent. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And I tell my son and my daughter, I apologize all the time because I'm learning as I'm parenting. So I want them to see that I'm able to say I was wrong. Daddy said he was going to come in and read. He did read last night, but he forgot the other night. I'm sorry. I'm going to make it up to you. Let's read now. So that they will have a pattern of being able to see when my parent was wrong, they owned it. They owned it. Could that be a contributing factor to why we're so prideful? A household of dysfunction. A household of dysfunction. Like the normal verbs and adjectives were all in profanity. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be so good, y'all. Like creative cusses. <laughs> creative. Just cursing. Those were normal verbs and adjectives in your household. So now I want you to think. When you get upset and when you get frustrated and when things don't go your way, do you use profanity? <laughs> when you get frustrated, I told you, y'all need this, y'all. When you get frustrated, do you find yourself cursing people out? Are you verbally abusive? You know why some of us could tolerate verbal abuse so much? Because you're verbally abusive to yourself. So other people are just doing how you talk to yourself. Dysfunction. And here's the crazy thing about dysfunction. We'll defend it. We'll fight for it. We'll get upset if somebody tries to correct it. It's like dysfunction has us in a house that's on fire, but instead of us trying to get out, we embrace the heat. Somebody say dysfunction. Dysfunction. We'll fight for it. We'll also tolerate it with the excuse of I could change them. Let me help y'all real quick. Let me help y'all. Let me help you. Um, it is not your job 
to detox a toxic person. One more time. I don't care if it's your mama, your daddy, your cousin. It is not your job to detox a toxic person. It is your job and the job of the Holy Spirit to show you the parts in yourself that need to be detoxed that are in concert with their toxicity. Did y'all hear what I just said? I ain't going to say it again. Y'all going to have to watch it online. It's not your job. Inherited unhealthy communication. When somebody got hurt, nobody talked about it. We never knew what grandma was going through. We never knew what our mama was going through. You know why some of us are so miserable? It's due to all of the untold stories. All of the untold stories on the inside because you were raised what goes on in this house. Y'all talk to me. Stays in this house. And so now you're dealing with it because there were conversations, difficult conversations that were never had. And now you recognize that parental wounds lead to emotional tombs. And so now here you are as an adult trying to resurrect what should have never been killed. So you're miserable because of all of the untold stories. Can I mess y'all up? Some of us don't even recognize you're a trauma survivor. Don't even recognize it. I was raised in dysfunction to where I just thought this is how people function. And it takes for you to have a biblical message like this to call it out for you to see that you really were a trauma survivor. And here's the thing, the difficulty with trauma survivors is they don't really like to talk too much because the people I was supposed to be able to talk to, they didn't give me affirmations, they gave me the need to be in therapy. Preach Holy Ghost. And I want to help us on tonight to be able to break the chain of unhealthy communication. Jay, why did you go that route first? Because if you can't trace it, you don't know how to fight it. If you could trace where it started, if you could trace how you start talking after y'all broke up, if you could trace how you start viewing yourself after the molestation, if you could trace where it started, now you can go to war with it. What caused David to stop his pursuit of catching a body? <laughs> what caused David to calm his soul? It was a conversation that he had with Abigail. She was able to speak to the royalty in him. Now watch this. And he was able to listen to the royalty from her. It's not always the sisters that do not know how to talk to him. Sometimes it's the kings that don't know how to listen to her. Goodness. She was able to say, you're going to be king, bro. You're going to let a fool make you step out of character? Remember who you're going to be. And I want you to remember when you make this choice, David, you are possibly going to have this on your conscience that you shed innocent blood. Remember that you are anointed in the pasture. Remember that God called you. Remember that you're a king. She spoke to his king because the mouth of a woman is an activator. This is so good, y'all. So for the most part, he is logic and she is 
emotion. Okay, not saying that she's not smart or nothing. Actually, my sisters are more smart than us. That's why you are helpers, because we need all the help we can get. Any man who does not say he needs help, needs help. You're just not grace to help him because he's in denial. She, I'm trying, bro. He is logic. She is emotion. He speaks direct. She speaks in details. Okay? I'm trying to help. This is going to help somebody. This is going to help somebody. I don't need nothing. Just give God the praise. That's it. Okay? He speaks direct. She speaks in detail. Look at this, y'all. I want you to see what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined with his side chick. Is that what it say? That caught your attention, huh? <laughs> Be joined with his bay. Doesn't say that either. Be joined with his what? Wife. Now look at this text. It shows you a sign of biblical manhood. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife. A sign of biblical manhood is when you're out of daddy's wallet and off of mama's breast. Woo! It's a sign of manhood. And it says the two shall become one flesh. So really, Jesus is saying... The kingdom agenda for marriage is when logic and emotion come together, they'll gain headway. But you're probably like, okay, why is it then that when logic and emotion come together, we have headaches? <laughs> Isn't it crazy how we could do things God's way, but it seems harder? Y'all not talking to me, so let me say it one more time. Isn't it crazy how we can do things God's way and it seems harder? Yeah. It's because many times we have some Nabal in us. We got some fool in us trying to do kingdom things. And God is like, I'm trying to deal with your Nabal so that your Nabal won't ruin your kingdom blessing. Yeah. This is so good. I want to help us on tonight from a biblical standpoint, learn how to gain the skill necessary to understand how to communicate effectively. Because the pulse, the cardiovascular, the engine of connection for all relationships is communication. Your words are currency. Are you spending them or investing them? Father God, would you flood this atmosphere? Would you allow us to have hearts so that we could learn how to listen to correction? Would you help expose whatever chain is laid in our life that is keeping us petty? That's keeping us prideful. That's keeping us arrogant. That's keeping us verbally abusive towards ourselves. Will you help us to be able to see ourselves the way that you see us, oh God? All the study means absolutely nothing if you are magnified, if you are glorified. Even the seasons are showing us how beautiful it is to let things go. So God, would you help us to forgive those? God, I feel this. Help the individual under the sound of my voice or watching online. Forgive the person who doesn't even feel like they're sorry. Forgive the person who doesn't even feel like they did anything wrong. Help us, God, to be able to forgive and learn how to be in self-control. Anoint me as your oracle, as your PA system. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout amen. amen. I want to speak for a few moments.
on this Thursday night, the week before Thanksgiving, from this topic, we need to talk. We need to talk. That is one of the scariest things a woman can ever say <laughs> to a man. We need to talk. David was about to turn up. But what kept him from going there was a conversation. I need us to say this confession. Everybody in the house, could you say this with me and everybody online? Put this in the room in all caps. It's confession time. I'm intentional with making sure that you speak over yourself because I don't know if you do it by yourself. So can I get everybody to say this? Father, increase my wisdom and understanding so that my words produce life and not death. One more time. Father, increase my wisdom and understanding so that my words produce life and not death. Church family, I'm excited. I'm excited because I believe this series is doing exactly what I prayed for the Holy Spirit to do with it. My prayer was I want this series to be an investment in your soul care. You're going to feel like you're getting a biblical therapy session. <laughs> I want this to be an investment in your soul care and also teach us relational prudence. I want us, like, I want us to get to a place to, it's more important with how I'm really doing versus how it looks like I'm doing. Like, I want us to have health, not just at the keyboard, but also in the keyframe. I want us to have health, not just right now on this Thursday night, but when y'all go back to your house, when you go back to your job, when you go back to the workplace, when you go back to school, I want you to have health outside of church. I want us to have genuine, organic health. And the reason, the reason we're going this direction on tonight is because I just feel led to remind somebody, you have an enemy. Yeah. You have an enemy, an evil one, and one of his tactics is to distort communication. Y'all yeah. listen to me, listen. It's a war move. Whenever you're at war, what is a milestone for the people you're fighting is if some way and somehow I could interfere with their ability to communicate. If I could have a captain that cannot communicate with his platoon. If I could have a husband that cannot communicate with his wife, if I could have a parent that cannot communicate with their child, if I could have a leader that cannot communicate with his team, if I could have a pastor that cannot communicate with his people, they will not be effective at reaching their goal. So the enemy, he wants to distort communication, tamper with intelligence. And I'm like, okay, based on the way we live, based on the way our prayer lives look, based on the way that we have a lack of spiritual disciplines that we are putting in constant implementation in our life, either we forgot, we need to be taught, which is why I do what I do, or we need to be reminded that you're at war. Listen, everybody on the side of my voice, you're at war in one area where that stupid, slithery old serpent is ruining our lives is we don't know how to talk. 
We don't know how to talk to people. We don't know how to express what hurt. We don't know how to talk. And so his goal is I want to make their life barren and where they can't produce fruit. Sometimes, can I mess y'all up? Sometimes what you're labeling as a bad relationship really was a spiritual attack. Thank you for the one golf clap. You think it was a just a bad relationship. No, ma'am. No, sir. That was a spiritual attack. So you telling me you haven't heard from this brother, you haven't heard from this lady since 2018. And as soon as you're on the brink, I mean, you are on the brink of getting your peace back. Like you are on the brink of being able to sleep at night. There was a time you were crying, just like that TikTok voiceover goes, don't you find that suspicious? Is that not suspicious? You don't think as soon as you are starting to love yourself, as soon as you are starting to love yourself, that's not just culture, that's kingdom. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I can't love my neighbor if I don't love myself. As soon as you start to see that your beauty is deeper than Mac, as soon as you start to see that your beauty is deeper than Sephora, as soon as you start to see that manhood is not how many women you sleep with, as soon as you start to see that manhood is not how well you throw your fists, but how well you are surrendered to Jesus, as soon as... As you get to this place, they shoot you a what's up, big head text. Ain't that suspicious? (laughs) This is not just a bad relationship. It is a spiritual attack. So as soon as you and your wife get into it, now the person that works at your job, she's extra flirty flirty with you on today. Ain't that suspicious? This is not... Just a bad relationship or coincidence. This is an attack. So you've been fighting hard to be free and fighting hard for joy to resist the clutches of pornography. You had this laptop since 2018. You ain't never had a filthy pop-up like this. And a filthy pop-up just pops up. You've been clean for like 14, 15 days. And now you think it's just a coincidence? This is a spiritual Attack. Here's a curveball for you. (laughs) Attacks are proof that the enemy believes in you. (laughs) This messed me up. I started shouting today. I was like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me think about it. Let me think about it. Attacks are proof that the enemy believes in you. What if I were to tell you that the enemy knows that you won? Let me mess y'all up and give you Bible. Y'all remember that um, conversation that the devil was having with Jesus and Jesus was like, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Okay. And then a few uh, moments later, Satan started talking back and saying, it is written, he won't let your foot dash against the stone. This let me know something. I start thinking, Dre, go ahead and take a picture. (laughs) I start thinking and this messed me up. Satan knows the Bible. Watch this, y'all. So if he knows the Bible, you know what good haters do, right? Good haters leave out the rest of the story. Like you talking all this stuff about me. Why you leave out all the good stuff? Like the devil knows the Bible, too. So this means he knows that he's a defeated foe. This means that he knows that you got the victory. 
This means that he knows that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. This means that he knows that you have been given the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the works of the enemy and nothing shall harm you. He knows it. He just doesn't want you to know it. Even the devil knows that you are going to win. He just wants us to speak a language that contradicts what God said about you. The reason the enemy traffics so much in the area of relationships is because relationships affects your heart. Parental, platonic, work, church. There's somebody right now who is suspicious of me because of another pastor that hurt you. You already have judgments of me because of a bishop, apostle, Lord have mercy, somebody who took the unfair advantage of you. They were supposed to give you healing, but they gave you trauma. Let me mess y'all up. You know what a stink attitude is? The odor, hear me, the odor of a stinky attitude is because of a broken heart. And that attitude stinks so much because something in their heart is decaying. Something in you died because of somebody you trust. Everybody who has trust issues is due to somebody you trusted. So now, I don't know how to have healthy communication. He traffics in relationships because he knows it affects your heart. Watch this. This is why your relationship with Jesus is so important. If relationships affect your heart, you telling me you're not going to be intentional with your relationship with Jesus? This is why repentance is so necessary. Not just remorse, but repentance from my sin, turning away from it because it affects my heart. The wages of sin is death. Could it be something is dying in my heart because of a sin I'm in love with? Our relationship with Jesus matters because it affects your heart. He's trying to mold, like he molds you with your future in mind. He molds you with your destiny in mind. Hear me, y'all. He molds you with your gift in mind. He molds you with your purpose in mind. Now it makes sense. Now it makes sense why the church elders and the church mothers used to say this while I was growing up in children's church and vacation Bible school. Baby, just stay on the potter's wheel. Just stay on the potter's wheel because the father's trying to mold He's trying to mold some things in you. He's trying to mold some things out of you. And when he molds, his molding is destiny conducive, and Jesus molds in silence. He doesn't get joy out of embarrassing you. He molds in silence. I'm not going to put this on the shade room. I'm going to do this in private. I deal with your Jacob at night, not at noon. I'm trying to mold certain things out of you. It's not a closed door. It's a dressing room. I'm trying to mold you. I'm trying to mold you. But here's the thing. He molds in silence. And that's hard for people who want to make moves because you care more about their attention than your healing. You can't post this. What I'm doing in your life, you can't post. Oh, but they'll be able to see it. They'll be able to see it. Y'all ever wonder why Jesus would heal people and then say, don't tell nobody? I'm like, a girl is dead, Jesus. He's like, okay, Talia Takumi, which means little girl, get up. She gets up and he's like, all right. Don't tell nobody. 
She was just dead. <laughs> we were all crying. Maybe Jesus was trying to show you, when I bless your life, you ain't even have to talk about it. It's just going to be walking. People just going to be able to tell. You ain't even got to post. They can just tell. God is all on that thing. God is all on that ministry. You ain't going to have to post it. They'll just be able to tell. Can I get somebody to say they can just tell? He wants to mold in us healthy communication. Now listen, here we go. I'm about to do some work. Communication is not just talking. It's not. Here's a basic definition, what I believe the Holy Spirit gave me as I was studying throughout the week. Communication is the ability to understand meaning. I'd write it down. Communication is not just talking. It is your ability to understand meaning. It's when she can understand what he means. And he can understand what she means. Listen, y'all. Y'all could both speak English. But when y'all have a conversation, you will swear y'all are speaking in a foreign language. Y'all can both speak Spanish, Portuguese, but when y'all start talking together, it's like we're speaking two totally different languages. And here's something that you possibly never have considered. Communication takes skill. Listen, y'all. Relationships takes skill. <laughs> Just because you're 16 and you can talk does not mean you have communication skills. Just because you are 34 and you love God does not mean you have communication skills. This is so amazing to me. If you want to be a lawyer, you want to be an attorney, you go to law school. You want to be a doctor, you go to med school. Why do we think that we automatically know how to communicate? It takes training and teaching. The mind and the heart have to be taught. And you might be saying, okay, I thought we were talking about communication. What does the mind and the heart have to do with communication? I don't know. Everything. Everything. Look, let me give you a Bible. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Jesus says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his, what's that word? And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What if I were to tell you, y'all are not having communication issues, y'all have heart issues? <laughs> y'all have heart issues. And could it be the reason it's so frustrating is because you're trying to have a healthy conversation with an unhealthy heart? This is so good, y'all. Whatever is the condition of the heart, it will always manifest in the mouth. If the heart is dark, the mouth will manifest in darkness. If the heart is evil, the mouth will manifest in evil. If the heart is angry, then the mouth will manifest in anger. If the heart is wounded, it will manifest in wounded communication. Whatever the condition of the heart is, it will affect the mouth. Whatever, like if your heart is lustful, your mouth will be filled with lust. Whatever the heart is, whatever the heart is, will be reflective in the mouth. So I, I, want, I want us to see this. 
Um, there are a few things that I think we need to consider. I'm going to give you a Bible, show you this illustration. Y'all can go home and please bring turkeys, y'all. We got like, a, like homeless shelters asking for uh, 100 turkeys. Please just drop them off tomorrow or give towards it. But I want, I, want to, I want to show you this. Communication is the understanding of meaning. So these are six questions that I think we can consider. Number one, what you mean to say. Number two, what you actually say. Number three, what the other person hears. Number four, what the other person thinks he hears. Number five, what the other person says about what you said. And number six, what you think the other person said about what you said. This is so good, y'all. Have you ever said something to somebody and they said something back to you and you have to tell them, I didn't even say that? I mean, we're having a conversation. We just like this, sis. We right here. And I'm talking to you. You talking to me. And she says something I didn't say. I just, we only been talking two minutes. How they respond is how they interpreted it. I'm going to help somebody, man. The Bible has so much to say about understanding. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. I'm going kind of fast because I'm out of time almost. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. It says, a fool. Y'all do this. Y'all know I like doing this. Can I get everybody to say, fool? fool. Make your lip hang. Fool. fool. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. So if you're trying to get a man or a woman to understand, but they're a fool, you're going to frustrate yourself. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27, it says, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So before... I just flood you and spew out my words or what I didn't like. A person who has knowledge knows how to restrain themselves. And a person that can be cool and calm in all situations is a person of understanding. Look at this. This one convicted me. Proverbs, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, husbands... Likewise, it's talking to the wife, talking to the husband on how to deal with the wife. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. I said, God, you know how hard that is? <laughs> Unless you're a husband, you may not know. Well, maybe depending on how many ladies you pursued. Dwell with her with understanding. Look at this. Give honor to the wife. As to the weaker vessel, this doesn't mean like she's lesser than you. Just view it as like fine china. You're physically stronger than her. She's valuable. As to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Look at this, y'all. That your prayers may not be hindered. If I was any man pursuing any woman right now, that you want your prayers heard, I would ask myself, can I honor her? And am I dwelling with understanding when I deal with her? Because I don't want the way I'm treating her to determine whether God is hearing my prayers or not. 
So if I need to practice and get some skill on how to understand, let's do premarital counsel. Let's court for as long as we need to because I'm trying to, I'm trying to gain the wisdom and the skill on how to understand. So, so here's, here's this illustration I want to show you guys. So this is going to be symbolic of the man, all right? He's logic, and she's, y'all talk to me, emotion, okay? So he's logic, and she's emotion. Now, the reason I believe couples get so frustrated is because many times she's trying to interpret what he's saying with her emotions, and he is trying to interpret what she's saying through his logic. And so many times, she will start forcing her emotion on him. And he will begin to force his logic on her. And she will begin to say things like, you just don't understand me. And sometimes it's because he's showing you no emotion. And he's trying to get you to understand, I do understand you, but I don't understand you through emotion. I understand it through logic. So now we have an argument. Now we have a full-fledged argument. Tears, crying, frustrated, talking, but not communication. Not understanding the meaning of a thing. So let's, let's go a little bit deeper. So this brother right here, this, this is what happens to most men, many of our men. If I could throw out just a hypothesis of a statistical number, I would say probably like 85% of our men. We are robbed of our ability to feel when we're boys. Okay? See how the brother said amen? Okay, ladies, I'm trying to help you. We are robbed. When we are little boys, we feel fear. Like those are things that we feel. We, fear, we feel anger. That's one we're going to keep out because a lot of brothers, we got that one real, real good. We feel sadness. Okay? So sometimes we cry. We feel insecurities. But what happens is culture tells you, stop acting like a punk. Stop. Boys don't cry over that. Girls act like that. Why are you acting all soft? This happens in our households. This happens in sports. This happens in society. So what he does as a little boy, all of these emotions he has, he buries them deep down in his soul. But the only emotion that does not get my masculinity card question is anger. So I can keep this one. Nobody's going to say I'm soft with this one. Nobody's going to say I'm weak with this one. Nobody's going to say I'm a punk with this one. So watch this. As a boy, he grows up into manhood in sync with anger. He's been walking with anger. He's been sleeping with anger. He's been talking with anger. He's been dealing with anger. And now you're in a relational context where she wants you to show emotion, but the only one you really know how to show is anger. Anger. Let me tell the ladies a shocking illumination, okay? If you're going to be 
a help meet? Sometimes you have to show him it's okay for you to feel these things. This doesn't mean that you're not a man. And I could already, hold on before you start typing online, I ain't about to raise no man. I'm not about to raise no man. You're not raising him. You're helping him meet a place he lost. Did y'all catch that? I'm trying to help somebody, y'all. You're helping him meet a place that he lost. And so what happens is many times she's trying to build you. She is. She's trying to build him, but she doesn't really know where to build. Why? Because he's not telling her where to build him at. And sometimes all you get from him is I don't know. I don't know. Let me give y'all another shock and illumination. He's telling the truth. I don't know what emotion to assign to how I feel right now. Because I've been taught we don't feel that. I really don't know how to respond to this. You giving me all this emotion. I feel it too, but the emotion that, I, that I've been taught to use is anger. I don't really know how to find it. So I don't know. That's not just him being stubborn. Sometimes that's his reality. He really doesn't know. He hasn't had time to be in sync with that part of himself. Or he begins to tell you how he feels. Ladies, y'all not going to like me for a few moments, but it's okay. He begins to tell you how he feels. So he starts opening up, and what he feels is sadness. And, and, and if he were to really, really be honest with you, what he feels is insecurity. Why you don't want to go home for Thanksgiving, baby? I don't understand. Okay, he's about to tell you that my older brother just got promoted, my younger brother just got married, and my mama keeps on talking about why you can't be like your brothers, and that makes me feel some type of way. I already feel as though she loves them more than she's ever loved me, and so he's starting to about, he's about to tell you what he feels, but oh, I'm about to, I'm, I'm, I'm about to cry. Never mind. You know what? We good. We good. What's wrong? Nothing, I'm straight. What were you about to say? Nothing, I'm straight. And if you keep pressing them, you know what you're going to get? Anger. Anger. Or it's not always that. This is the part, ladies, y'all not going to like. There was a time he told you uh, about his insecurities. There was a time he told you what he was worried about. Oh, but one day you got your emotion. One day you got pissed off. One day you just didn't like his tone with something. And he's trying to tell you all this stuff, and you have the audacity in the middle of a conversation to say, that's why you sorry. That's why you scary. That's why nobody talks to you. That's why nobody deal with you. That's why nobody... You throw every emotion he just shared with you back at his face? <laughs> you definitely going to get anger because I trusted you with that. I trusted you. Man, this is going to help somebody. I trusted you by telling you what I'm scared of. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. I, I had a moment, Jerry. I had a moment. I'm sorry. Okay, you sorry. But even though you apologize, look, look at the damage 
that was done to this part of him that he tried to tell you. There's going to have to be a lot of trust restored. There's going to have to be a lot of trust conversation that we're going to have because I tried to tell you what really was going on. But you used it as ammunition. Is this good? I told you I was going to get quiet. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, let no corruption, corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. My mouth, now I'm telling you the purpose of it. My mouth was made to build up. Build up. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Brings healing. So on tonight, what I'm, what I'm talking about, we need to talk. I'm trying to show you the areas on why we can't have good relationships. This is not just romantic. This is just in general. If I don't have Jesus deal with my heart, and I don't understand that sometimes I have to help my brothers to know you have more emotions than this. You have more emotions than this. It's just maybe you have to be taught that using and having your emotions is okay because your daughter's going to need this. Your wife is going to need this. Three points and I'm done. Point number one, listen. Can I get everybody to say listen? Listening is to investigate, to gather what they mean. When you are listening, you are not listening to respond or clap back. You are listening to investigate and gather what they mean. Number two, understand. This means you're grasping their perspective. And last one, validate. That's acknowledging what they said. So an example goes like this. So what you mean is, when I told you that I was going to take out the trash and I didn't do it, you feel like I don't care. The skill of wisdom and communication is when you could hear what they're not saying. Tanisha coming in and said, these dishes, I thought you were going to do the dishes, you need to take out the trash. Why you didn't do, one man could say, she's always like going off of me, just nagging me. But hear what she's not saying, help brother, help. And maybe we would have health and our relationships if we listened, understood, and validated. Father, thank you for this teaching on the night. Will you help us to get to a place like our confession said? Help us to have wisdom and understanding so that my words can produce life and not death. And God, most importantly, would you do a work in our hearts? Because regardless of love languages and love tanks and all this information, if our heart is sick, we won't be able to produce this. 
Change our hearts. Fill us with your precious Holy Spirit so we could be spirit-led individuals. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.